This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to finish that out this week and get into chapter 6. That being said, it is important. We're learning some important principles, and I said we would when we entered the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is a picture of God's deliverance of us from the bondage of sin. Egypt's a picture of the world, and Pharaoh's a picture of the enemy. And obviously, as we're studying through the scriptures, and as we're studying through Exodus, we're going to see a lot of things that happen here that we can draw direct correlations with our own Christian walk, our own life, how we walk with God and how we learn from him and how we grow the work that God does in delivering us and then redeeming us and then making us alive again. So as we study through the book of Exodus, it's important that you see these truths and you understand them. And one of the things that happens when a person has a relationship with Jesus Christ or when God has stepped in their life, given them the new birth, and now they're learning to walk with him, there is that issue of serving two masters. And the truth is the natural part of life, the natural man, the way we actually naturally do things, when we look at this world and how we're living in it, the way that works out is that usually we want to serve the master that we have known rather than the new master that has given us a new life. We want to either serve our own flesh. We want to serve our worldly desires. We want to chase after the things that are of this world. And we get upset when our lives, I hate to say it, we get upset oftentimes when our lives are changed by our Christianity, by our walk with God, by our new faith. And we have some, and to tell you the truth, the modern day church has a lot to do with that as far as how we present the good news of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we present the good news of Jesus Christ as being something that's going to add to your life rather than change your life. We look at the good news of Jesus Christ as something that's going to make your life absolutely wonderful and you're just, it's going to be the best life now. And the truth is, That's not the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you're going to have God and you're going to have a relationship with his son Jesus and you're going to have the power and the presence and the leadership and the guidance and the counseling of the Holy Spirit, but not that life is going to be the best life now. It may be difficult. It may have struggles that go along with it. In fact, it not may, it will, it shall have those things. In this world, you will have trouble. That's what Jesus told us. There's going to be trouble in this world, especially when we're serving his kingdom rather than the kingdom of this age. 
And when that happens, that difficulty and that struggle is used by God. In fact, it's allowed by God so that we can, when we realize we don't want to have, we don't want to deal with the world. We want to reject the world. We want to be in the world, but not of the world. And as you notice, I'm giving you a lot of verses, a lot of a lot of quotes from scripture. And the reason I'm giving you that is because oftentimes we sell that Christianity is the all the goodness of the world and all the goodness of the kingdom of God all together, baked in a cake and ready to eat. And that's just not the case. It's never been the case. It's not the case. Now, are there going to be great things that happen in your life? Sure. Are there going to be wonderful things that uh, that are a part of this worldly living that we do? Absolutely. Are there going to be powerful things happen that are life-changing? Sure. The Christian walk is the best life. It is. But it's not the best worldly life. It's the best godly life. And those are two different things. And so when Moses shows up to Egypt, you got to remember, the children of Israel have been in bondage for 400 years. They've grown used to it. Even though it is bondage, even though they are in slavery, even though they have a master over them, they've grown used to living the life that they're living, and they're going to have to live a different life. And let me tell you something. When God steps into your life and begins to make changes, when he gets control of your household and he begins to move the furniture around, you're not necessarily going to love it. In fact, he may throw some of that furniture out, that old couch that there's no telling what's living in. He's probably going to get rid of that thing. And some guy's going to say, well, I've just, I've always had that couch. You know what? You don't need it. It's not good for you. And it's not been good for you. And so let's chunk that thing and get it out. And the God says that oftentimes people go, oh no. And then a lot of times what it causes is it causes conflict with the world. Your walk with God causes conflict with the world. And you know what? That comes with the story. And we're remiss as believers, and we're remiss as, as fellow Christians, and we're remiss as church to not tell people that, to not let them know that these are this is how this is going to play out. These are the things that are going to happen in the world that we live in. We're remiss when we don't do that, when we don't do that rightly. We, we mess up. We shouldn't do that. We should tell people that this is a whole new way of living. It's a whole new life. You're, when you take on Jesus, you make him Lord. I, I tell people all the time that the sufficient parameters for salvation are confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But if I'm confessing him as Lord, he's got to be in charge. He's got to be Lord. He's got to be first. And if he's Lord and first, he gets to decide. And what he's going to decide is not for you to continue to remain worldly. And that's important, worldly. Verse 15, then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why are you dealing with your, ser with your servants thus? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to us? When The world's not going to love you when you're a believer. I, I hate to tell you this, that it's not. Your expectation that the world is going to love you is a misguided expectation. It's wrong. The world's not going to love you. The world may uh, may not understand you, may not know you, may not be able to deal with you, but that it's not going to love you. And when they decided they were not going to be in bondage in Egypt anymore, when they said they've heard Moses and they believe him and they were going to follow him, and then Moses starts the process, the world's not going to like that. 
Moses went in and messed things up. And the way he messed things up is he began the process of deliverance. And they bought into it. Remember, he met with them first, and they agreed. And listen, when you agree to walk with God, you've agreed to a big step. And that step needs to be spelled out. Oftentimes, it was very difficult to get people to make decisions for Christ 50, 70 years ago. And when I say difficult, I don't mean that they weren't willing to do that. I meant that the gospel that was being preached was a good news. It was a good news that God was giving us a new life and a new place in this world. But it's also a gospel that was preached where they understood that they were going to have to make Jesus Lord, that they were going to have someone else in charge, that there were going to be a new administration in the White House. They understood that. And when they made that decision, it was a eyes wide open decision. It was a decision that they understood was was going to take place and they walked in it. And that's what made that's what made those believers well powerful. Nowadays we just say, listen, you've got the ice cream of the world. We're just gonna add the the whipped cream and the sprinkles and the cherry on top and it's gonna be wonderful. And that's just that's wrong and it's not true. It's not real. There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten. But the fault is in your own people. What he's saying saying is, listen, you're not letting us, you're not giving us the things that you used to give us so that we could serve you. Well, yeah, because you're asking to do something that's not in my best interest. Let me say this. When you're following Jesus, you're not acting in the world's best interest. That's just the fact. That's just the way life is. You're not acting in the world's best interest, and the world's not going to love you for it. He said, but he said, you are idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. What he's saying is, I can't see any reason why you want to go to church. I can't see any reason why you want to go worship God. You're just trying to come up with a reason not to serve me. And let me say that. If you've not heard that, then you're probably not doing this thing right. And let me tell you something. If you're always trying to figure out whether or not you ought to show up at church and worship God, you're not doing this thing right. When we buy into the Christian walk, it means that we show up. It means that we follow our Lord. It means that he's in first place. It means that on the hierarchy of needs, he's number one. We need him primarily most of all, more than the air we breathe, more than the water that we drink, more than life itself, we need him. And by the way, we sing songs that say that. I know a lot of times people don't sing. And by the way, that's also asked of you during in, in the word. God does ask that you sing, that you clap to him, that you shout to him. When we sell a watered-down Christianity, don't be shocked when you get watered-down Christians. And we've sold that as a church, as the modern-day Christian church in America. We sold that for many years, and we're getting exactly we sold them run-down, worthless Christianity rather than power-filled, spirit-filled, God-chasing, God-loving Christianity. And what have we got? We've gotten weak water Christians out of it. We fill buildings up with weak, well-water Christians that don't serve God, don't serve, don't serve the Holy Spirit, have no power in the world, make no difference in the kingdom of God, and make no difference in the world that they live in. And that's, and look, why are they whining to Pharaoh? They've already bought into God. They got no business going to Pharaoh and saying, why are you doing us like this? 
no business. Go to God. God's got the answers. He's the one you said you were going to serve. And you know what? I don't blame Pharaoh for saying, why you want to go worship God? You get to work, make bricks. And who wouldn't say that? Why, why wouldn't he say that? He's in charge. And they're not wanting to serve him anymore. He's saying, get to work. And what they should have done is turn to God. That's what they should have done. They didn't do it at the start. They're going to figure it out. But they didn't do it at the start. Therefore, go now and work. For no straw shall be given to you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. Let me tell you, the world gives has a price to pay. And if you're going to serve the world, you're going to pay that price. You need to understand that. If the world is going to be your master, the cost is going to be your life. That is the way it is. That's the way it's always been. It's never going to change. And you say, we have progressed. No, we have not. We have not progressed. We're still the same people we were. We act the same way. Sure, we figured out some godly ways of doing things over the centuries, and we put them in place, and we benefited from them. Absolutely, we have. But let me tell you something. We didn't progress. We've killed just as many. We killed way more people last century than the centuries prior to that. We, we did. Sure, we've created all kinds of machinery and all kinds of technology, and people still uh, still are not fulfilled, still have no purpose, still worry, still struggle. Same thing's going on. We Sure, we've figured out how not to treat each other bad in certain situations, and then we turn around and look around, and we're shocked that Russia is just absolutely carpet-bombing cities. What are you talking about? I can't believe they would do something like that. I can't believe that they would act that way. That's the way the world is. And once you strip away the facade that we're living in, it will, be, it will go right back to that. Why? Because man's sinful, Satan's in charge, and this world has fallen. Always has been. And there's only one Savior, and there's only one Deliverer, and that's Jesus Christ himself. He says, therefore, go and work to make straw, and you're going to deliver your quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it. It was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from any daily quota. They realized, I'm in a, I'm in a vice. I've got two sides pushing in on me. I've got to figure out what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do when you're a believer. You got to get this. Lean into God. Trust God. Chase after God. Don't chase after the world. Don't try to make friends with both. Make no effort toward that. Don't try that. That, that will cost you dearly, and you'll get the least out of both, okay? Don't do that. Lean into God, lean into his purposes and his will, chase after him, trust him, and you're going to see big things happen. You're going to see big things spiritually happen. You're going to see the best for you and your family. And let me tell you something, over the long haul, investing in the kingdom of God reaps great reward. It reaps great benefit. Feeding in and investing in the world reaps ultimately destruction. That is, that if you want investment advice this morning, invest in the kingdom. In every chance you get, invest in the kingdom. Invest in the kingdom with your family. Invest in the kingdom with your job. Invest in the kingdom with your coworkers. Invest in the kingdom with your time and effort and energy. Invest in the kingdom with your heart and your passion. Invest in God. Invest in his word. Invest in his truth. Invest in him. And over the long haul, you will reap a reward 
that is worth it and that is valuable and that is wonderful. I want you to hear me today. I know it from experience. Invest in God's work. I've invested in both in my life. And everything I invested in the world, garbage. Everything I invested in the kingdom, wonderful. Did it reap reward immediately? No. One man plants, another man waters. God brings increases. The increase happened tomorrow? No, not all the time. But it does happen. Invest in the world, it always seems to be giving me an increase. And in the end, in the end, it just rots in your mouth. It is nothing. And so chase after God. Chase after God. Serve him only. That's what man's purpose is in this world, is to serve his creator. Do that. See if he won't give you all his very best. He will. And uh, his very best is it's, uh, it gives you peace and it gives you purpose. It's passionate and it is fulfilling. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.